Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Okay, so I want to go deeper on this uh, whole idea of attachment styles and how they impact our relationships. And for me, what really helps is listening to real stories, right? So it's not just information, but um, people sharing their real stories and being able to relate to them. So I have my own story, and I'm definitely someone who came from um, an anxious attachment style. And today, I'm bringing my girlfriend in here, Vanessa, and she actually has more of an avoidance. So we are going to share our stories, and I believe that um, this will um, it'll, it'll help you uh, because they're the real-life stories. And also, we both happen to be therapists. So, Vanessa. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Um, so... In talking about attachment styles, first of all, mm-hmm. what, what's your definition? And we're, we're just going to get into avoidant and um, anxious anxious because there are different uh, varieties, but I really like to simplify it. And those are the, the, the two main styles that, that people fall into. So I, I think love itself is attachment, right? It's a form of, of mm-hmm. attachment. And there's healthy attachment. There's unhealthy attachment. So when it comes to avoidant and anxious, um, how do you define those? Well, I think also it's first to um, it's first important to understand that the idea of dependency has been kind of bastardized in our culture, and the idea of dependency is actually very normal and healthy. I think you said, you know, a second ago, it's either healthy or it's not, right? So, is it clinging and attached, um, or is it dependent, like you should be in a secure relationship? So, I think they, you know, I'm not an attachment um, theory expert, but from my knowledge understanding of it. So you have anxious attachment style, which is somebody who underlying, right, unconsciously has a fear of abandonment. You have the more um, uh, secure attached style, which which really fluctuates in between. And just like the name of it, secure, doesn't really have any of those fears either way. They feel very comfortable with themselves and they feel very comfortable and safe when uh, attaching to other people. Yeah, so so secure is actually the goal, right? That's the... Sure place to that's where everyone's striving to to have in a secure attachment style yep exactly and we actually can work towards uh becoming more secure regardless of if we come from the anxious or the avoidant kind of um side of the coin we can eventually become more secure it just takes you know some work some therapy and having a secure partner yes actually is a big that, that's actually the good news which i want to hold off on um that that you can change but we're going to get into that later um now let's Uh, Tell me about the avoidant. Yep. And then avoidant really. So again, kind of this underlying unconscious fear always being of engulfment. So those are really the two words that I use to keep the two separated in my mind. So anxious is fear of abandonment and um, avoidant is a fear of engulfment. Right. Now, how do these two attachment styles uh, ripple into relationships? So what's the behavior that's produced by someone uh, starting with anxious, anxious uh, attachment style, and then also avoidant. So, in my experience and my reading, um, and you know, in my working with clients, when somebody has an anxious attachment style, um, they're very hyper vigilant in how other people uh, feel, how they show up, they perceive the slightest change. Um, they're kind of always on guard. Unfortunately, because they're always on guard, they also misperceive 
emotions of the other person very easily and then can get very hurt very quickly. Um, you know, an easy example would be, uh, my boyfriend didn't call me and then all of a sudden my brain jumps on the hamster wheel and it's, he didn't call me. He's going to leave me. He's not interested. He's sleeping with somebody else. Right. And you can see how these thoughts go and all of a sudden you're on a wheel. Um, right. Where, and, and, well, and then, so, um, What's interesting is I'm coming from more of an anxious uh, attachment style and Vanessa is more of an avoidant. And of course, we've done a lot of work on ourselves and we continue to, uh, but there's still remnants of that, right? And what's important is, is is to always be aware of it, not just once, but as we grow and change. And so for me, you know, in my early relationships, coming from um, or pulling from a, 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 or having an avoidant attachment style, um, I was like, you know, we're in this together. I go down, you go down with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have healthy boundaries. And this is where you start to create enmeshment. You start to uh, be dependent on each other. And also you start to lose your sense of self. And when you have an uh, anxious attachment style, every little subtle thing you define as either rejection or mm-hmm. they're not attracted to me or she doesn't want to be with me. And so – you know, even like with for sex, you know, if I didn't get um, sexual attention or um, some kind of love in a physical way, in my brain, being anxious, that meant that she rejected me or didn't love me, right? Right. And I think it's also important to note that on the flip side of that same kind of um, self-induced anxious state, you start to eventually equate that constant feeling of anxiety or like that obsessive or that kind of, you know, really intense feeling with passion with love. And so that becomes a healthy pattern too, because that's not actually what love feels like. That's what your attachment style when it's activated feels like. But that feeling feels like love. Yes. Well, you equate it with love when you've been doing that kind of dance over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then, so I guess so on the avoidance side, right, if we're talking about kind of traits, if you will. Uh, The avoidance side tends to be more, so again, remember fear of engulfment. Um, They don't like to get too close, right? So if they did get too close, that that fear gets activated. So they'll do things like um, be very hot and cold. Mm -hmm. Um, They, you know, uh, they'll send mixed signals, if you will. So that's actually a pretty specific trait of an avoidant is sending mixed signals. Um, Go ahead. Um, Do you think that, uh, so there's a lot of reasons why we are anxious or avoidant, but mm-hmm. most of it is from childhood, right? Most of it, mm-hmm. it comes from parents and, and how we were raised. It does, yep. So for an avoidant, um, I know so for you, you had to grow up really fast, right? And you had to take care of, of, of siblings, etc. And mm-hmm. so because of that, how, how does that wire one to be avoidant? Well, it has to do with your ability to trust in your caregiver, your primary caregiver, um, to show up and be just that, right? A reliable, safe caregiving source. So um, somebody who, at least from my perspective, for the avoidance side, typically the caregiver is, um, you know, a little all over the place. They're not kind of a very what we would think of as like a safe, calm, secure force. Right. So you learn that you can't really trust that safety. You can't really trust that you can fall into that safety of that caregiver. So in a sense, you learn to pull in um, and rely on yourself. So it's a form of self-protection. Sure. Yeah. Avo- avoidant, right? And mm-hmm. and here's the thing. When you're an avoidant, um, I don't know if – I mean if you're a practicing avoidant, <laughs> then it's hard to – really connect to people on a deeper level because you're always kind of 
you know, waiting for the shoe to drop or think, mm -hmm. thinking or knowing that this is going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the other key kind of um, traits of an avoidant is from the research that I've, I've actually done, we tend to have more negative thinking about our relationships. Um, we tend to take maybe a small upset, which a secure person might think to themselves, you know, so what? We had an argument. It's no big deal. We'll work through it. Whereas the avoidant will actually spin themselves out into well, that's it. The relationship's over. Obviously that, you know, we're done here. There's, there's no point. And then all of a sudden their brain clicks into, let me focus on all of the negative and the bad things in this relationship and about my partner. Because if you think about it, that helps me distance myself so that I'm not as hurt if it ends. Right. Right. Now, what about the anxious attachment? Uh, in what way, how they show up in the relationship, how they show up in the relationship, but also, um, why they are that way. So for me, I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, it could be possibly because my dad's an alcoholic and there's addiction in my family. So that could be part of it. Um, but also my parents were never home. I always tell people that I was raised by pop culture and just being outside and, and, and skateboarding and breakdancing and playing with friends. And I wonder how much of that made me, um, or formed my anxious attachment. Yeah, I mean, you know, going again back to the the fact that this stuff comes from kind of how we are raised or our attachment styles with our our primary caregivers. If you think about it, it makes sense, right? If your parents were really not there that often, um, and not just physically but emotionally, obviously as well, then you, in a sense, learn. It's a similar thing, actually, as avoidant. You learn that you can't trust that that kind of safety net, right? Um, but that's the fear of being abandoned. So this fear of if I put myself out there, they're going to reject me. They're going to run away. They're not going to show up. Um, and so in a way you rather than with an avoidant, they learn to kind of pull into themselves and kind of have it this like fuck it attitude. The anxious actually kind of brings out their claws and clings. Please yes. don't leave. Please don't leave. Yeah. And yeah. I think, um, for me, uh, before my whole, you know, rebirth and mm -hmm. self betterment path, um, if, you know, if we weren't holding hands and staring deeply into each other's eyes and whispering, you know, I love you mm -hmm. and all, you know, then then I felt rejected. And so um, the anxious is always I mean, the word you use was clingy, but I I defined that back then as being a hopeless romantic that mm -hmm. I, I was um, I was in love with love. And, and I, you know, and I think I use that, you know, of course, all the um, the the beliefs that we have from Disney movies and from The Notebook and all of these uh, movies where they kind of show love in a very sticky, codependent way where people are like, you know, losing, killing themselves over each other, sometimes literally. Um, and I get that's romantic, but I saw love that way. And I think part of it was because I was naturally wired as an anxious attachment. Sure. And as you're sitting here saying this, I'm, I'm actually kind of laughing to myself because I, I'm very aware as I've moved more into the kind of secure area, I'm aware when my uh, avoidant tendencies pop up. And as you're talking about all of these, you know, the movies and the pop culture and people dying for each other and this undying love, I can literally feel myself recoiling and going, ugh, too much. <laughs> right. So as you're saying too much, I'm like, give me more. I'm yeah. like, oh, like I, like I want to soak in that bathtub. And you're like, it's too fucking hot. Get me out of here. Yes, exactly. Like right. I need to be alone. I want to yes. like, you know, they call they call the um they call the avoidant like the lonesome traveler. It's like we we tend to have a lot of friends, but not that really not that many really close deep relationships. Right. 
So yeah. now let's kind of turn, um, uh, switch gears and talk about what do you do now? So I think the first step is to be aware of these attachment styles and what, you know, where you fall into, right? Yep. And of course, there's different extremes of this, right? Everyone, there's a spectrum. Yes, of course. It's, it's yeah, and everybody's going to be on. Yeah, everybody's going to be on different levels of this, right? I mean, because here's what: if you've done your work and you've done, even if you don't know the terminology for attachment style, and maybe you've never had a, you know, a therapist that has used this language with you, if you're aware of your kind of internal landscape and what comes up for you, you're going to have already one leg in kind of the door of, you know, going towards secure, for example. Yes, and you know it. So, so for me, the value in this, right, and bringing it back to to me and you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what it does is it helps me understand you better. It helps me understand myself better. And so when there's understanding and someone um, is responding because of their attachment style, then you can actually say, oh, that's where it's coming from. Or if you're being triggered and, you, and you're pulling from your attachment style, then you can actually look at it and, and choose to um, behave differently. Totally. Right? Yeah, or, 100%. Or choose to interpret me- messages um not through that lens. So instead of like, let's say if I, if I wanted to have sex and you didn't want to, the, the anxious attachment style, uh, person, the old John Kim would, would think, Oh, she's rejecting me. She doesn't love me. She doesn't find me attractive. You know, she doesn't like my shoes, whatever. If, if, uh, then if I'm pulling from the new, it would be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, she's just not in the mood and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that she doesn't care. Right. So it's actually being aware of your attachment style. And then when it starts to come up, talking yourself off the ledge. Yeah. And hopefully having a partner that you can actually talk it out with. Right. So that exact same example that you just give to put it on the flip side and and go from like the more avoidant perspective, you want to have sex and I don't. Right. You. So let's say you're pulling from your attachment style, which from my perspective, you then, you know, maybe you start to sulk, you, you know, you don't talk to me, you, you, you basically what we call this is, um, it's like acting out behavior, I think is the term that they use. And so that's your way of essentially like getting back at me when I have done something that's like hurt your attachment style, right? I hurt that part of you. So then when my perspective, I'm looking at it from the avoidant lens, then I see that, um, as almost like an annoying kind of clingy behavior, which kicks off my, my mental space of going to the negative place, right? So I'm misinterpreting what you're doing as like, oh my God, he always does this. It's always like this. And I go into this place of always, always, always negative, negative, negative. So if I can check that, just like if you can check yours, then we can come together and actually potentially have a conversation about it that's not personal, right? It's not personal to me. It's not personal to you. It's just like, hey, I noticed that this is activating me in this way. Hey, I noticed this is activating me in this way. And then we can talk it through. So this is the piece um, that no one does, right? This is yes. where the couples drop the ball. They read a lot of books. Uh, if you're listening, obviously you're listening to my audio course. You're getting a lot of information. You know, it's what do you what do you do with this information? You know, and and I think it's about having conversations with your partner about these topics that mm-hmm. are hard to talk about. You know, and then without the conversations, then just people are just thinking a lot. There's no change in their relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's 100% right. I think that people, this is where they stop short. And I don't think that they stop short out of, you know, want for trying. I think they stop short because, you know, things that you and I have talked about even to get more intimate here, here with the listeners is when you and I want to talk about this stuff, again, going into an avoidant thing, avoidance tend to jump very quickly, not just to the other person is bad, but to I am bad. Mm. They get very... Um, 
very embarrassed and feel very exposed very quickly. So if you were to come to me and say, hey, this thing happened, let's talk about it, it really hurt my feelings, my immediate go-to is a place of shame and I've done something wrong and I shut down. Well, that's not conducive to us having a good conversation, right? But because you and I have done some of our work, you're able to look at me and say, hey, I know that you're taking this and internalizing it. I'm not saying you're bad. What I'm saying is this. And that pulls me out of that. Yes, absolutely. And then it's the same for, for me too on my side, you know, to actually be aware of what's coming up, um, how much of it is me, how much of yep. it is her. Um, and then knowing that and not internalizing it, right? So mm-hmm. I could also feel guilt and shame. Um, I mean, just using, using the sex example, and I know that's a really simple example, uh, which is why I'm using it. Uh, if I get turned down or someone or she doesn't want to have sex with me, um, internalizing that and then feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. I'm this. I'm that. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's there's it's lined with shame. And, yep. then, and that's when people get hurt. And then from that hurt, uh, if we're not aware of what, what's going on, now we're holding anger and resentment. So now sure. because I didn't have sex, I'm not going to do this for her. Right. And so now we're holding tug of war ropes. And then, and then mm-hmm. of course, now she's out one foot in, one foot out. And then you know, the whole relationship's now shaky. And all that could be prevented if we are aware of our attachment styles, why we do what we do, why we feel what we feel, you know, what our knee-jerk is, and then try to work on being more secure attached. Yeah. And I, you know, I say this to my clients all the time. It's like, you, it's this idea of building in a little bit of distance, separation between you and the emotion, right? It's not to say that you're not feeling the emotion, but if you look at it and you're able to take it outside of yourself and kind of roll it around in your hands and examine it in a bit of a detached way, meaning, oh, that's interesting. This is where it came from. It was from this part of my upbringing. That's what this means. It becomes less to, you know, like you said, personalized. Like we don't, I don't sit there and go, it's me, me, me that he's hurting, that you're hurting, John. It's more like, oh, this is my attachment style. I see it because I'm detached from it. And I'm then able to talk about it and talk about our experience as if it's outside of me, which helps me not personalize it. Does that make sense? Yes. And this is why it's so important to actually talk to a therapist because you can't process alone, Mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of processing, having that neutral party and new lenses will uh, help you just learn more about yourself. Yeah, exactly. So if you're listening to this, ask yourself, you know, and, and this may be a question you've never asked yourself because most people don't. You know, most people, mm-hmm. don't, they don't think about attachment styles, right? They, they, when it comes to relationships, they, they think about, oh, is that, is that guy hot? You know, is he a potential? Does he, whatever, you know, whatever you put weight on. No one's thinking like, oh, I just met this guy. And I'm curious what his attachment style is, <laughs> right? So, I mean, I, I think I was like that, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, well, I, well, but you're also now, you know, not 22. No, I know. Right? So, but here's the thing. You know, when we talk about the foundations of a healthy relationship, and the whole point of this conversation is for you to no longer be in unhealthy relationships, right? If you continue to do that, you're not giving yourself a different love experience. And I believe the, the goal right, is always to give yourself a new experience because in that new experience, you will start to have huge revelations and shifts where you will be like, oh, this is what this feels like. This is what healthy feels like. This is what it feels like when um, I don't repeat patterns or, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, or I'm aware of what's happening inside and then I choose to make a left instead of a right. And so when you start to put yourself in new experiences, um, everything can change, including all your definitions of love. 
Yeah. And, you know, to, to use a term that you've used a bunch in the past, this idea of like the slow burn, I think that's actually really important, especially people that come from more of the anxious perspective. Kind of like I said in the beginning, you start to equate this feeling of drama, this feeling of like abandonment as um, love, right? This is excitement. It's There's something about it that makes your heart kind of do that beat fast thing. And that's what you start to think is a healthy relationship and it's not. And so if you're, if you're coming at this from more of an anxious perspective, you know, a lot of the research says in the beginning when you meet somebody, if you don't have that feeling, that's a good thing. And actually to let it ride out, you might think it's boring in the beginning. Um, but actually you should really allow yourself to, to play it out a bit and see if there's more behind it than what you initially think there is. Um, because that actually might be your attachment style. That might not actually be your connection with that other person. Yes. I also want to remind you guys that the feeling that you're trying to chase, um, that matches an old blueprint when you were 20 or 18 when you met someone and you guys were inseparable and that person you just you know fell in love with overnight um that imprint was a fresh imprint so if you're comparing you know if you're chasing that today as say uh, uh, as a 35 year old um it, it, it's 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 not fair and it's not realistic you know it's like when you go back to school your elementary school and you realize how small the chairs were and the chairs were big because back then you were smaller and it was all fresh and new so i think a lot of people chase um old imprints because they remember that feeling but we're not living in that space anymore if that makes sense yeah, exactly. And the point is to be moving towards a more secure base, right? So if we continue to act out of our old experiences, then we're just continuing to keep ourselves in the same old cycle and the old habits and patterns that we've had before. Cool. Now let's just finish up by talking about what then secure attachment looks like. <laughs> well, um, we're working towards it. <laughs> yes, we're working toward it. Uh, so I like the idea that secure attachment means that you have a strong sense of self. Right. And I'm not saying ego, but like, I mean, just to bring it to street level, like you actually have your own life. And, and under that umbrella, it means that you have your own friends, you have your own passions, you have your own purpose. Right. You have your own routine um, and you're not dependent or taking hostages when it comes to your relationship. Yep. Yeah, this idea of kind of being a mesh, like we talked about before with anxious, you know, with with somebody who is more secure, uh, the idea is that they actually seek out intimacy and they aren't afraid of what this quote unquote enmeshment means or or boundaries. They don't think about stuff like that. They just know that they seek intimacy and they're very comfortable being close and intimate with somebody else, whether that's physical or emotional, right? Um I guess some of the other the other traits would be that they're very effective communicators when it comes to their emotions. They don't yes. really have a hard time being able to put a finger on, hey, that's what I'm feeling, and then let me name it for you. Um, they are very, they're not threatened very easily, right? So they're really they're really willing to sit with you and listen and hear feedback, and they don't take that as like personally threatening. Um, what else? They. They're very secure in the relationship, knowing that this relationship has legs and can continue to grow and move further and that these bumps along the road don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. The relationship is not their life. Yes. Right. Um, it's two people coming to do life together and they're okay if you know they have different tastes in things or different views. Um, at the same time, a secure uh, person has non-negotiables, and there's things that they're not willing to negotiate. 
Yeah. And, you know, part of the non-negotiables is that a lot of it for secure is this is something they don't even, a lot of it is stuff they don't even question. So, so for example, it's like, if I was very secure, I would say I have a innate expectation that my partner is going to be kind of responsive, loving to me, be there for my well-being, be concerned about me. So I am naturally going to be exactly the same way to my partner. Right. Yes. That's my expectation. Yes. Um, so if you're uh, avoidant or um, anxious, it doesn't really matter. The goal is to um, start swimming toward being um, more secure or having a, having a, a secure attachment style when it comes to love. Yeah, got it. All right, guys. So you know, and, and here's the thing: that's not. Uh, it's not a light switch. It's not a weekend seminar. It's not a workshop. It's also not just this audio course. Um, hopefully, this can be the beginning. Uh, but it's a daily practice. You know, it's really hard to rewire ourselves, especially when it comes to our upbringing and all of our you know love experiences that have been you know toxic and traumatic and all of that. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you just you got to keep showing up and keep working at it. And if you're in a partnership, you need you being both of you, the kind of couple need to both be on the same team, right? So regardless of if you're a combination of the two, or if you're both one or the other, the, the understanding has to come on both sides. And then you guys have to be willing to be secure, be supportive, talk this stuff out. You know, when you come to me because you're activated, I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to name call. I'm not going to get defensive. I'm going to be open. I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to help you work through it and vice versa. Yes. A hundred percent. All right, Vanessa, are we going to have sex now? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> say, say no. We say no. No, I don't think so. See, and I'm not going to take that personally. <laughs> I'm I'm going to say okay. She doesn't want to have sex. It doesn't mean anything less about me. I'm still sexy and and attractive, and um, I I think it's okay. And we will another time. Yes, we will another time. Okay, <laughs> that's secure attachment, guys. Be well. <laughs> Bye.